When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. In a 30-minute episode of Star Trek, the first of its length since 1974, we laugh and learn with a team of ensigns. But this crew shows us the importance of knowing why you do the work you do. And they uncover the dominant toxic culture that almost all of us experience every day. We get this in our first series premiere podcast episode since July of 2020, Lower Decks, Second Contact. Captain's Log, Stardate 57436.2. We get right into it with the Captain's Log, giving us the show's premise. Now, this isn't the Enterprise, right? We're not out on the fringes of exploration. This isn't Deep Space Nine, the hub of intergalactic politics. Nope, this is the USS Cerritos. This is the crew that comes in after first contact to do all the administrative stuff. They set up communications, learn the customs, help, help these people become a part of the Federation. And immediately after this, we see the tone that this show is going to have. Are you pretending to do a captain's log? <laughs> we meet Ensign's Boimler and Mariner. Boimler's our straight arrow. Romulan whiskey is against regulation. And Mariner, Mariner is not. Yeah, because it's awesome. She has all kinds of contraband and is making Boimler super uncomfortable. Quick note, this show, this show is super fast paced. Not a lot of room to breathe in it. They pack a lot in the 25-ish minutes of each episode. The voice acting is quick, but very efficient. Just know that it's going to sound, this is going to sound different than any other Trek that we're watching. Okay, a shuttle arrives with new personnel and we meet Ensign Tendi, who's wildly excited to be on a starship, but, but not everybody shares her enthusiasm. Can I just say that I'm really honored to be- Keep it moving, Lower Decks. Next! She's on her way to meet up with Boimler, who's going to be handling her orientation. He and Mariner are repairing a replicator, and Boimler's really playing up the prestige of his position and the possibilities for advancement, while Mariner, Mariner's just reveling in her current position. Lower decks, right? The scrappy underdogs is what she calls them. 
we learn a thing here about that that becomes kind of a, I guess, yeah, really becomes a big story arc through the series. You really don't care about moving up in rank? Been there. Definitely over it. And then they head out on a tour of the ship. On the tour, they meet Ensign Rutherford. He's in engineering. And here, we've got our main players. Boimler is the eager-to-promote company guy. Mariner is the rebel that just doesn't really seem to care about all that much. Tendi, who's an Orion, is the nurse that is bright-eyed and wowed by the world. And our engineer, Rutherford, who has a Vulcan cybernetic implant and absolutely loves everything about his job. They talk about Rutherford's upcoming date with Ensign Barnes. He's super nervous about it and heads off to panic. Then they continue on their tour. That's a room of switches and dials you'll never need to go into. It's actually a pretty important processing Nobody hub. knows what that room is. It's a pattern buffer maintenance access. She knows that. She's being funny. Ah. Boimler demonstrated some stuff here that I, I really related to. I've talked before about how serving on a starship has got to be very similar to serving on a submarine. When you serve on a sub, you're required to literally know every little detail about every single part of the boat. The culture is built on the fact that anything can happen at any time and anyone needs to be ready to be able to fill in for someone else. And we see some of this here. Boimler knows what every single room is, what it does, and why it's there. I've got to believe that Mariner does too, but the difference is Boimler is all in on the hype and Mariner just, I mean, again, just really appears like she couldn't possibly care any less. There's a super cool little moment here that we'll dive into when we get to the command codes. Boimler's done with the tour and Mariner wants to take Tendi to the holodeck. He says there's no time for that. And Mariner just straight up calls him out on it. This scene is amazing. And I got some stuff to say about it later on. Boimler gets called to the bridge and feels very self-important about it. So Tendi and Mariner end up spending some more time on the holodeck. We find the XO, Commander Jack Ransom, wrapping up the second contact work on the planet. There's a lot of bugs buzzing around and he gets stung by one. Not worried about it, he invites Lieutenant Commander Stevens to get a drink. You know it, nothing like a cold beer after a smooth second contact. Now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So Ransom's a total bro. That's good to know, right? We saw this as well with Captain Archer back in Enterprise, Strange New World. And we'll probably see it on a lot more Enterprise. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out on, uh, on this show in Lower Decks. Boimler gets to the bridge, and Captain Freeman asks to meet with him. Ensign, you're with me. She recites a few entries from his service record and says she sees a lot of potential in him. And then she gives him a special assignment. She wants him to spy on Mariner. I like my crew working in lockstep. There isn't any wiggle room on the Cerritos. Yikes, that is not good. Well, as he leaves, she reiterates that this is to be kept only between the two of them. Rutherford's on his date, and it seems to really be going well. They're in the ship's lounge, kind of like their 10 forward. There's a lot of activity going on around them. One of the really cool aspects to an animated show is they can add a lot of life and activity without having to bring in actors or extras. It gives the ship much more of a lived-in feeling. I think it's super cool. An away team is headed down to the planet's surface to set up a subspace array and finish up their mission. Boimler and Mariner are on the team, and he has zero patience for her. They get their assignments and head off to work. Back in the lounge, Ransom and Stevens are getting their drink. 
Suddenly, Ransom's insect bite gets infected and he becomes a flesh-eating zombie. He's biting crew members and they're turning into zombies too. The lounge has turned into a battle zone. But that doesn't stop Rutherford and Barnes from continuing their date. They've taken cover behind an overturned table and they're chatting. So, where are you quartered? Back on the planet, the away team is hard at work when Boimler sees Mariner loading some gear into a car and driving off. He's on the chase. And the carnage continues on the Cerritos. Tendi is working with Dr. Ta'ana to deal with the zombies. They're just strapping them to beds at this point. She ends up meeting her supervisor, who is also, at the time, a zombie. Wow, it's such an honor to meet you, sir. Boimler catches up with Mariner and sees what looks like her selling weapons to some of the inhabitants. He confronts her, and she tries to de-escalate, but he is so ramped up, it gets way intense. He whips out a phaser, and then she slowly, slowly opens the crate, just trying to explain that she doesn't have any weapons here. She's got farm equipment. Double and hoe. The inhabitants are freaked out, though, and they run off. They end up accidentally releasing one of their farm animals, a giant, giant spider-looking thing. They're trying to hide from it, and Boimler gets some pretty fascinating info from Mariner. I was here for first contact last year on the keto before I got my ass demoted and transferred to the Cerritos. She's been assigned to five ships already. She's got a ton of experience. Boimler tries to stand up to her and plant his own flag, saying that he, he's been on five planets. You know, if, uh, if you count Vulcan. You may as well count Earth. I was counting Earth. He tries to contact the ship for a beam out, but she grabs his comm badge and throws it away. She's going to help these people one way or another. They need their farm animal spider thingy back. They come up with a plan using their uniforms as decoys, but Boimler hesitates and ends up, <laughs> he ends up in the spider's mouth. But the farmers, the farmers say it's cool. She's in her before. So they just wait it out. Rutherford and Barnes continue their date, going for a walk on the outer hull of the ship. I really like this classical band called the Monkees. Ever heard of them? Let's just say I'm a believer. <laughs> they get into a turbo lift, and Barnes kisses him. He responds in a way that really tells you everything that you need to know about him. I wasn't expecting that. What did you expect? Well, for these maintenance hatch doors to recognize our comm badges. Oh. He is all business and is passionately fascinated by technology and science. The spider farm animal thing lets Boimler go after a really long time. He's naked and he is covered in goo. He slimed me. On their way back to the beam out, he tells her that he's been asked to spy on her. She's not mad, but says that she doesn't understand why he cares what the senior officers think of him. Well, he sees them as heroes. And she sees them as people that are stuck in their ways and only care about personal recognition. They beam up and it's Pandemonium! Zombies everywhere. The ship is in shambles and people are phasering each other. Ta'ana scans the goo on Boimler and she thinks, she thinks it can save the day. They rush him to sickbay and she synthesizes a cure from it. They vent it through the ship and the day is saved. Then, almost like it's here just to prove Mariner right. Looks like you'll get to publish more award-winning research, Doc. Great, more paperwork. <laughs> 
as they walk away, an enraged Mariner says, This guy saved your asses? Ensign Brad Boimler put that in the paperwork. And in her captain's log, Freeman gives even more validation to what Mariner's been saying. It's only thanks to the brilliant efforts of Dr. Ta'ana. She asks Boimler to report on Mariner's behavior, and he totally comes through for her. He says they spent the whole time just working on the subspace array. After he leaves, an admiral reaches out to Freeman and she lays into him, says that she's done with Mariner and wants her off the ship. The admiral calls her sweetheart and then says, She's your daughter too! In the lounge, Rutherford and Tendy are talking about his date. It's pretty cool, like this whole sequence. He talked about how they weren't a good match, but still talked about all the great things about her. There was no trash talking, no ego boosting, just she's awesome, but we like different things. How cool would it be if we could all approach relationships like this? Mariner and Boimler talk through what happened and their newly developing respect for each other. Mariner gets really excited and says she's going to do everything she can to get him into the captain's chair someday. She's going to be his mentor, <laughs> whether he wants it or not. You're going to be my Chadich from now on, baby. I loved this episode about 10 minutes into my first viewing. It rubbed me a little weird at first. I mean, it just felt so different from all the Star Trek up to this point and the voice acting. I mean, I mean, it is... It is fantastic. It's super good. I love the VA on this show, but it is so quick, so fast. It can be kind of hard to follow the dialogue sometimes. But there are times they fit a full-length episode into this half-hour format. Right now, while I'm recording this episode, there are four active series of Star Trek. There's Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard, and Prodigy. And I've got to say, the two seasons into it... <sighs> Lower Decks, <laughs> here we go. Lower Decks is my favorite new Star Trek. Love me or hate me for it. But I'm Team Lower Decks and I'm so excited to include it in on the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Come to Quark's Crosses Fun. Come right now. Don't walk. Run. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Managing contracts and agreements is a pain. You have to track everything on your own. You have to set reminders for renewals and expiration dates, follow up with customers or vendors when they don't respond in time, and you need to keep stakeholders up to date. <sighs> it's just too much. Just getting started can be overwhelming because there are so many details involved. And if you make a mistake, like it could cost you serious money and lost revenue or worse, set you and your business up for failure. Well, I found a solution. Zapendo makes managing contracts easy by taking care of the hard stuff for you automatically. Like, it'll remind everyone on your team who needs to know about an upcoming contract renewal or an expiration date change. It will save you so much time that you would otherwise be wasting tracking down these details yourself. 
And thanks to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, you can save 15% when you decide to save time with Zapendo. Visit www.zapendo.com and enter the code SFLA when you subscribe. Zapendo gives the power to manage contracts, edit them on the fly, send for e-signature, manage expirations and alerts, and even more. And you can access it today by visiting zapendo.com. That's Z-A-P-E-N-D-O.com and use the offer code SFLA when you subscribe. You can also click the link in the show notes. If you want the latest info, tips, and strategies to grow your online course or membership, check out the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast. And now here's your host, Jeff Aiken. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. One of the first things right off the bat is that the characters are all pretty silly, but they're also very competent. When Tendi reports to Sick Bay, she gets right to work and is successfully triaging zombies. Rutherford and Barnes are living through a nightmare, but they're able to fight their way through the zombies and even run scans on the defective turbo lift sensor. And I love, I love their whole thing too. They're in, they're in the middle of Dawn of the Dead. They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. But don't stop their date. This just normalizes the wild and unexpected stuff that goes on in Star Trek. Like... Of course, the lounge is full of zombies. It's Tuesday, right? Lower Decks, as a whole, handles this really well. In future episodes, we're going to see them offhandedly deal with a Q, a being of pure energy, and a rogue AI. And all of that in the course of a normal day. And while the Starfleet Leadership Academy is Star Trek through the lens of leadership development, or leadership development through the lens of Star Trek, Lower Decks is Lower Decks is Star Trek through the lens of Star Trek. Like, it knows all the jokes that we know. It loves all the characters and all the stories that we love. The episode actually ends with Mariner just, just rattling off Star Trek names and trivia. Did you know about Spock? Dude came back from being dead. Yeah, I think I've heard of Spock. He's a freaking Genesis device and fought Khan and some space Can we whales. Just go back to not being friends. How about Sulu? Ooh, he rocked a sword. That was his thing. That could be your thing too. We're due for a new sword what guy. What can I do to make this stop? But they're so smooth with it all that if you're not a fan of Star Trek or this is your introduction to Star Trek, you still enjoy the show and you get the story. We Trekkies just get all the inside jokes. But what makes this show magic, especially through my eyes, you know, a Star Trek leadership nerd, is that this is really an analog for corporate culture. This is office space for Trekkers. Mariner is Peter. Boimler is a little Samir, a little Michael Bolton. Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. Rutherford's the Drew, except he's... He's super good at his job. And Tendy's the bright-faced new employee that has bought into all the hype. Then you've got the leadership, right? Freeman, Ransom, Dr. Ta'ana. They're all a little too full of themselves and their positions. And everyone in between, well, they're just varying levels of jaded, cynical, and disengaged. Does that sound like anywhere you've ever worked? It's going to be really fun to watch through this through like a corporate lens. And like I said earlier, this is probably my most favorite Star Trek right now as I record this at the very end of 2021. And for me, I don't know, 
Lower Decks might be the culmination of the last half century of Star Trek. Command codes verified. This episode was less than 30 minutes long, and we have a treasure trove to dive into here. (laughs) I feel like Scrooge McDuck swimming through gold, except it's leadership lessons and, well, um, I'm wearing pants. Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support this podcast. Oh, senior officers are overrated. Aren't they, though? I mean, at the end of this episode, the senior officers are totally ignoring the contributions of the lower-ranked crew and congratulating each other for the work that the crew did. In the episode on TNG's Up the Long Ladder, I asked if team members like the science officers and communications experts should, you know, they should have their names in the opening credits since they're the ones doing all the work. Well, this show finally does exactly that. I'd like to play a quick game with you. Is that cool? This is, it's a word association game, so we can play this wherever you're listening to me right now. I'm going to name a company. And you tell me who comes to mind when I name that company. Okay? You ready? All right, here we go. Apple. Tesla. Facebook. Your local grocery store. I'm going to guess that a few things happened here. You thought Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and then you thought of the checker or the stalker that you enjoy interacting with. Like stalker, like stalking the shelves that you enjoy interacting with. But what if I had said Safeway or Whole Foods instead of local grocery store? You might have probably thought of somebody else, right? Likely someone that has never bagged their own groceries in their life. A few months ago, I had to have the keyboard replaced on my MacBook I took it into the Apple store and the guy working the counter that day, do do they still call that a genius bar? If you've got an appointment coming up with an Apple store genius bar, make sure you're ready for it. Well, that guy, uh, Brian, Brian was his name. Brian is who I think of when you say Apple. Why, you ask? Well, because he was amazing. He made me feel like I was getting a deal and that I was a priority to him that day. Now, I've never got to interact with Steve Jobs, and I've never interacted with Tim Cook. But Brian? Brian helped cement me as an Apple guy, through and through. And maybe that's because the senior officers, the the senior managers, right, of a company, really, really are overrated. Now, here's what I mean. As the senior manager there, as as the Captain Freeman, I know a dark, dirty secret. A secret that not a lot of managers will ever let you in on. Do you want to know what that secret is? I mean, I could be assassinated by the Uber Secret League of Managers if I share this. You sure? Ah, Well, okay. I mean, seriously, I think that you are worth risking assassination over. So here's the secret. Got a secret. Can you keep it? If I never showed up to work again, if senior managers and arguably most all other managers never showed up to work again, the work would still get done. There. I said it. There's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Pandora's box is open. But seriously, if I never showed up again, 
the core work we are expected to deliver would still totally happen. And this applies across all sectors. You work in sales? Guess what? You can still make that sale without a manager signing off on your quote. Work in food services? <laughs> Those burgers will still get wrapped or plated without a manager around. Now, this isn't saying that these positions don't add value. Effective managers and leaders help people to realize their potential. They ask questions that unlock possibilities and bring new efficiencies. They help build and foster culture. They do amazing things. But if there was a crisis and someone had to go, maybe instead of firing 900 people, you make the choice to step down. If you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group. Your employment here is terminated effective immediately. Again, I'm not devaluing managers here. I'm just reiterating that real stars, the real stars of the work that we do, are the people actually doing the work. Lower Decks explores this idea in some really cool ways as the series continues, but, but this one-off line that Mariner makes, oh, it just says so much. One of the arguments that I hear against this concept is that, I don't know, say in the case of a fast food operation, that without a manager, no one would come to work or actually do the job. Well, frankly, that's a much bigger problem. If a manager being there is the only reason you're doing what you're supposed to do, well, sounds like it's time for you to find a new job. Ah, a new job. There's nothing quite like that, is there? That first month, I think like that first month is always kind of magical. There's new people to meet, a new culture to figure out, trying to figure out why they decided to put the time clock here instead of over there. And hey, where are the bathrooms anyway? I don't, I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool. Could you imagine if you could bottle up that first month or even the first week, that energy that you've got? How cool would that be? I think one of the problems, one of the problems with workplace culture is that we forget that we often do amazing things. Even in the mundane, most jobs are part of something pretty cool. Imagine serving in Starfleet. I mean, your job might be cleaning the holodeck filters. The next thing I know is a hissing ball of fur coming at my face. Or you're the person vacuuming the carpet on the bridge between shifts. But you're in the middle of space. Tendi reminds us of this in this episode. It's she gets to look out the back window and see the beautiful vastness of space. This is a thing that you, as a leader, must do for the people that you work with. You have to remind them why they're here. Let's take McDonald's as a for instance. If you're a manager there, it would be so easy, so simple to just focus on your metrics, right? Get cars to the drive-through within X amount of time, get Y number of combos sold per shift and pull in Z dollars for the Ronald McDonald house. And and that and that's kind of what we all think of when we think about working in McDonald's, isn't it? Like I envision some poor crew manager getting upset with me and yelling at me as I head to my break because my average order time is taking 21 seconds. Get that down to 17 Aiken or you're going to be on the street. But if I'm working for an effective manager, one that understands they have the responsibility of connecting me to the why I'm doing the work, and I have to believe that, that this is a lot of, if, if not most of the managers for McDonald's. I mean, I don't know. I've never worked there before, but I've got to believe it. I mean, right now, 
as I'm recording this episode, they're recruiting for a global well-being manager on Indeed. So, yeah, I'm going to guess there are a lot of managers there that are really, really good and really, really effective. And if I'm working for one of those really good, really effective leaders, they're going to constantly talk about and keep me connected to the mission, the why for the company. Do you know, like really now that I think about it, do you know McDonald's mission statement? I didn't know yesterday, but now I do. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly kind of blown away. Here it is. McDonald's mission is to be our customer's favorite place and way to eat and drink. How cool is that? Now, if that same poor crew manager is coming at me because of my bad order times and drive through but they're coming at me with stuff like, Aiken, would your favorite place to eat take that long to get your order? I'm going to be a lot more apt to listen. I think we just get so wrapped up in our day-to-day and the tasks in front of us that we forget why we're doing things. When we lose touch with that, we, we just turn into someone that's checking boxes. Read emails, check. Update tracking sheet, check. Reach out to HR on that thing, check. Eat lunch, check, <laughs> and so on. In fact, while Tendi reminds us to stay connected to the why and to even be amazed by it, Boimler shows us what that check the box thinking looks like. As he's walking Tendi through a tour, he shuts down the visit to the holodeck. Having worked with more than my fair share of Boimlers over the years, I'm pretty sure he did that because the holodeck wasn't on some imaginary itinerary. And Mariner straight up calls him out on this. She doesn't have time for that. How do you know? Because I'm her liaison. Oh yeah, then what time is it? And don't check, because if she doesn't have time, then you should know what time it is. Otherwise, you're just trying to sound important. Now in theory, his why is to help someone new to the ship start to feel welcome and included. But he's only focused on the tasks in front of him. In Western society, and especially in the professional working world, we suffer from what I call the dominant toxic culture. These are aspects of the foundations of our culture that drive us to always try to be, or at least look like we're perfect. It says that we always have to have a sense of urgency, even even when nothing truly urgent is happening. Do you remember the exercise I asked you to do in the episode on TNG's elementary Dear Data? I asked you to categorize the things that you do as critical, urgent, or routine. And my experience has been, and feedback from many of you has validated, that almost nothing is truly critical. And almost everything, almost absolutely everything, is actually pretty routine. You can go back and check that episode out for the specifics on that exercise. If you haven't done it, I strongly recommend it. I mean, it literally transformed the entire culture of an organization I worked with. This dominant toxic culture also encourages people to be defensive, leaders and managers to be paternal or maternal. It encourages the belief that progress means bigger, faster, cheaper, and it holds the written word above all else, which leads to just one single correct way to ever possibly do things. This culture tells us to just check the boxes. That's all that matters. The person that checks the most boxes the fastest wins. But that's, it's just not true. 
When we live in this culture, we lose the tendy in us all. We lose the awe of the amazing things we do. And we end up as a Boimler, just moving from task to task with an inflated sense of urgency and an inflated sense of self-importance. And this thinking goes so far as to completely squash innovative thinking. I'm going to guess that somewhere in the neighborhood of 98% of all employers are driven by this dominant toxic culture, and most of them don't even know it. It's just part of the base DNA of society. But those same companies also tell you that they value innovation and they value out-of-the-box thinking. Well, help me understand something here. If everything is an urgent emergency and I'm mandated to follow a specific paint-by-numbers set of processes that are well-documented and treated with near-religious fervor, how am I ever supposed to innovate? Disruption happens to us. No, it's much more predictable. I want you to really challenge your thinking here. If you have a 16-page SOP or a, a standard operating procedure on how, um, on, how to, on how to bend spoons, for example, but following that SOP causes you to miss every deadline, is the SOP working? Yeah, probably not. So as you, the, the, the spoon bender, dive into the other massive processes that your company has to try and change any process, because, hey, you've got an idea around moving some steps around or, or maybe eliminating a few pieces that you can demonstrate. You can actually demonstrate these are non-value added because, because your company also claims to be a lean organization or to follow agile methodologies or something like that. Well, you go ahead and you follow those processes and I don't know what, 16 weeks later, your change is approved and it's rolled out and you've improved spoon bending by 8.9%, but that's still not meeting your targets. Like, I'm sorry, I feel, I feel like I'm not being as clear here as, as I want to be. Basically, okay, many companies claim to be a thing but actively put processes and policies and barriers in place that objectively prove that they are not that thing. Does that make sense? Does that ring true for any of you out there? I mean, this is what innovation looks like in the dominant toxic culture. So if it's not following a process, if it's not not having approvals to do things, if there's not not an SOP on how to make changes to a process or whatever, then then what does innovation really look like? There is no spoon. Exactly. Forget your SOP. Forget your written word and the idea that there's only one right way. Forget it all. And just remember that you're here to bend spoons. And spoon bending is an incredible, exciting, and awe-inspiring thing to do when you know why you're doing it. In terms of this episode of Lower Decks, Mariner gets it. There's, there's all the to-do around setting up a subspace relay so they can help the people on the planet get the things they need. But instead of spending time with a way-too-big team to do that, Mariner just goes and helps the people. I made sure that some humble farmers who can't afford to wait for Starfleet bureaucracy to notice them got some help so they didn't have to starve. And yes, of course, of course the subspace relay is important and it's gonna enable the Federation to help the people at scale. But Mariner was able to achieve the mission by truly thinking outside the box. 
where Boimler, Boimler couldn't even fathom not just going through the steps and checking all the boxes. You don't know anything except what's in your manuals. Wow. It uh, <laughs> kind of sounds like I'm encouraging a whole bunch of insubordination here. But I, I, I'm not. I'm really not. But, well, honestly, I kind of am. But not in subordination towards your supervisor or your company. I'm encouraging being insubordinate and even disruptive to this dominant toxic culture that is, well, toxic. <laughs> it's just terrible. Now, I like to offer other resources for you to dive into and learn more about topics that I bring up here. Dr. Temo Kuhn wrote a piece on this for the Race Research and Policy Portal of the ERA Project with the Harvard Kennedy School on this. I'll link it in the show notes. To this point, I've been intentional in calling this the dominant toxic culture because I wanted you to listen all the way through without any of the biases that its actual name might bring forward. And that actual name is white supremacy culture. Dr. Okun's piece masterfully explains that this isn't about the gang of white supremacists we all sadly, sadly see on the news. This isn't about you being a white supremacist. This isn't about me being a white supremacist. This is about a culture that without choice or intention negatively impacts everyone. People of color and people that are white, the same. This piece lists the 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture and what to do to counter them. In many ways, this episode and the series will highlight what an organization can look like when it breaks the bonds of this toxic culture. We see it in a lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek way with Mariner in this episode, but we'll have the opportunity to dive into more of this in future episodes of this fantastic series. I really want to know if you, or the leaders you work with, understand the impact of believing in the why of your organization. If they do... What does that look like? Join me and many other listeners of the Starfleet Leadership Academy in our Facebook group and tell us about it. Do you feel connected to the work your company does? And why? Why do you feel that way? I can't wait to hear from you. The link to the group is in the show notes. And you can also connect directly with me on Twitter at SFLA Podcast and on just about all the other social media at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T. as in Tendi. A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. Episode 5 of the second season of Enterprise, A Night in Sick Bay. We get to know Captain Archer a lot more in this one. And if I remember right, this one was nominated for a Hugo Award which may lead to some Mass Effect 2 drops courtesy of Jacob's loyalty mission. And uh, you get some serious bonus points if you have any idea what I'm talking about in that reference. Should be an interesting episode to get into, and I'm looking forward to it. Until then, ex astra scientia. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. 
but I like airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid.